What's up, Benfica Nation? How is everyone doing tonight? It is Friday night, and that can only mean one thing. It is the Mr. Benfica Podcast. It's episode three tonight, everybody. It is Shavs to Victory. Welcome back, everybody, for the third episode. That's right, third episode of Mr. Benfica. This is now officially the longest I have ever stuck with any type of media project in my life. Um, Two is usually the cutoff. I had a blog post about ten years ago that uh, got really good traction on the very uh, very first post. I put out a second one, and that was the end of it. Uh, about four years ago, the first season of Rui Vitoria. Same thing, I put out a Mr. Benfica blog post. That's where the name started. Had real good traction on the first post, and uh, the second one didn't do so well. And that was the end, but guess what? Here in 2019, I am back for episode three. Just a third of many, many more. This thing is going to go on. Um, this Benfica team has just got me just on fire. I mean... I think everyone can relate, you know, the the game ends Monday, and by Wednesday, it's like, I can't wait for Saturday to get here, I can't wait for the next match. When Befica are playing this well, there's nothing like it in sports. Uh, I just don't get into the other sports the way that I get into Befica, especially when they're playing well, I just don't have anything, anything of myself left for anyone else. It, it's all for Befica, and this week is huge, I mean, we had a Great victory Monday night, and now it's on to the Stadio du Ladrão tomorrow. Stadio du Ladrão, where it's going to rain golf balls, it's going to rain rocks on our bus, but it don't matter. They're not going to shake us. We're going in tomorrow to Stadio du Ladrão, and I believe that we have the best chance we've had in years to come out of there with three points. We'll get to that later in the show. First segment, we're going to talk about the news, then we're going to go into the review of the 4 nothing victory earlier this week at the Stadio de Luz against Grupo Desportivo de Chaves. We're going to talk about some of the rumors that have, that have hit the, the press this week, a few things that I want to hit on. We're also going to talk about what's ahead for Benfica for the rest of the week as well. We'll touch on that. Um, tough week ahead. Yes, tomorrow, Saturday, March 2nd, 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time, on Gold TV here in the United States, you will see Benfica, actually Football Club do Porto Benfica because the game is there, like I said, in the Stadio do Ladrão. Um, we're going to be playing against f- the f- 14 out. We're going to be playing against the 11 Porto players in red and wa- in blue and white shirts. We're going to be playing against the four referees. We're going to be playing against the VAR. We're going to be playing against the golf balls that are going to be raining from the stadium. You know that... It's going to be nuts. Maybe a fan will run on the field and attack one of our players again like last season. We'll see. Anything goes up there. You guys know it by now. We've seen it the last 30 years. Anything goes in the Stadio do Ladrão. All right, so we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to hit the news. Stay right there. Da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito 
Benfica Nation, welcome back to episode 3, Mr. Benfica. And don't forget about our social media out there. When you're on your phone, when you're on your laptop, your tablet, whatever it is you use, go find Mr. Benfica at Facebook by searching Mr. Benfica, two words. Find me on Twitter at Benfica Mr. or on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. Okay, we've been active, we've been getting more follows, we've been getting more activity. Um, I've posted some cool stuff this week, and I've gotten a, some real good feedback also. And some of those posts have had some really good reach. So please, like, share, uh, post, comment. Let's keep those social media platforms buzzing. Let's keep Benfica trending, alright? This, uh, this is a big weekend for us. Like I said, this is probably the biggest weekend Benfica have had in quite some time. At least since last year, uh, when we went into the home dar the home classico against Football Club Porto, and we all know what happened. But since since that day, there there hasn't been this type of uh, hype, this type of excitement. Um, those of you that might have saw the video I posted late tonight that I I got from from Josh Pereira, one of our listeners, Josh Pereira. He posted it. I took it and I put it on a, on the Mr. Benfica page. Benfica's bus rolling into Porto, rolling into our rival's city, Porto. Okay, Cidade Invicta. We roll in there. You know what? This has to be said because they like to deny it. Earlier this week, Iker Casillas, the goalkeeper for Porto, ignorantly said that up there, at tudo Porto, everything is Porto. Guess what, Iker? You're wrong. Because in the city of Porto, it has been said many, many, many times, there are just as many, if not more, Benfica fans in the city of Porto than there are Portistas. If you saw that reaction, if you saw that reception Benficistas gave our team today as they arrived at their hotel, there were flares going off in the street. There were mobs of people there saluting our players. Tons of autographs signed by the players. Benfica Nation has mobilized. I mean, we're we're bigger than a nation, um, bigger than that, you know. <laughs> and we've mobilized. We've descended on Porto. Yes, it's going to be hard in that stadium tomorrow, but <laughs> the 
onda vermelha, the Colinho. We, we are, the Colinho is that. It is the people. It is all of us behind this team, raising this team up, letting them know we're behind them. No matter what, no matter what happens tomorrow, okay? Win, lose, draw, we go down, we go up. The season is not over, and I have confidence in this team regardless of the result tomorrow that we can still be at the Marquez Pombal in May. Even even with a loss, if it should happen tomorrow, um, four points is still very attainable. There'll be 10 games left. We can still achieve 30 points, put the pressure on them. The team that thinks that tomorrow is going to decide the rest of the season is going to end up falling behind later. Okay, if either one of these teams think that tomorrow is the championship game, I'm going to say this, there's 10 finals to go after tomorrow. So either way, we won't have an overreaction. But man, it's just the excitement is, is that a, is a, at a high, I mean, I can't even, I can't even describe it right now. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if we come home tomorrow night with a victory? Come home tomorrow night in first place with ten games to go. This team was seven points ahead of us, what a month and a half ago. They were se- <laughs> they were laughing at us when we lost to Portimonense. They were laughing. I'm sure now that Portistas and Sportingistas are wishing we hadn't lost that game because that game was the tipping point. That's the game where the managerial change was made. Finally, Luis Felipe Vieira, Aurelius, was forced to make the change. Um, he made the change, and here we are now going into Stadio do Ladrão tomorrow with a chance to come out of there in first place. We're going to hit the news right now, okay? There was some news this week, so I'm going to go over it with, with everybody real quick because we got a lot to cover tonight, let me tell you. I'm going to try to keep this show under an hour and a half. I mean, I've been shooting for 45 minutes in these first two episodes, and we've hit about an hour and a half both times, but so much to cover tonight. Um, Stay with me. Here we go. We're going to hit the news. As we talked about last week, the very first piece of news, Benfica draw Dynamo Zagreb in the round of 16 of the Europa League. I had misspoken, um, saying that this was a club that that I believed that the the supporters had a relationship with, I was deadly wrong, okay? Our our sister club, if you will, in terms of supporters in Croatia, is the rivals of Dynamo Zagreb, all right? So our, our that's right, Hijik Split in Croatia is our sister, you know, team. So what I read, and this is cool, is that they're expecting... The Torcida split, okay, the fans of Hijik split, to be at this match supporting Benfica in Croatia. Now, how cool is that? All right. So, this was a good draw for Benfica from a footballing term, a bad draw for Benfica for those of us living in the United States hoping to watch the game on television. <laughs> I don't think Univision's going to pick this up. Uh, may require, it may require a one-day membership or a rental to to Bleacher Report Live to see if I can watch this game, if it can be DVR'd and watched on demand after the fact. Because, of course, it's during the week, it is mid-afternoon, and there is practically no way to watch it live when you're working at that time. Um, but I was hoping, I'll be honest, I was hoping we would draw Inter or Chelsea 
or Arsenal or one of those teams that I knew would get us on TV. No. Because, like I said, I'm looking at this Europa League a bit different than, than some people. People are talking already about winning it, going to the final. I want to see the kids play in this tournament. I think this is the perfect tournament to play the Formação, to play the young players, to keep them fresh, to give them minutes, to make them sharp in the event that we need to use them. You see, using Florentino in the Galatasaray tie was crucially important because on Monday, Florentino was needed in the match against Chaves, and he was more than ready. So, I really... I want to see the same approach in this next round. Win or lose, you know, I'm more concerned with getting minutes for guys who are playing less to keep as many players sharp as possible. Other news this week. Center back, young center back, Ferru. Ferru signed a contract extension until 2023, and he now has a reported exit clause of $100 million. Very happy to see that. I think some of our players... Ruben Dias, Florentino, have very low exit clauses. We need to put high exit clauses on these highly talented young players. I don't want to see Benfica sell these kids yet. They're too young to go abroad. They have much they can still accomplish in Portugal, in the Liga, in a Benfica jersey. Okay, We have to hold these guys longer. I like this step of signing him to a larger exit clause. Also, the president, he, he had some words this week saying we're not in a position where we have to sell to balance the books. Um, listen, I have a hard time believing anything that man says at this point. Uh, but if he has any plans of re-election, I really think, one, he got lucky that Bruno Lage has saved him. <laughs> because I think he had no chance of re-election had, had uh, Bruno Lage not had the run he's had. And had Porto not dropped points, to be quite honest. Porto dropped some points that they shouldn't have. Um, had they not done that and we were still, you know, a little bit out of reach of them, I don't think Luis Felipe Vieira would have the same chance he has now of being re-elected. Uh, he really, I don't think he can afford to, <laughs> to undersell anybody. I think the fans have lost a lot of confidence in him. Uh, I hope he means what he says and he's going to keep these guys, okay? Or at least he's alluding and he's he's hinting that he's going to keep some of these guys. On Monday before the match, Grimaldo was awarded with the award for goal of the month for January. He received an award before the match, also in the same ceremony. João Félix, ladies and gentlemen, João Félix, the 19-year-old phenom, wins Liga Nage Player of the Month for January. And also, interestingly enough, in the second division in the Ledman Pro Liga, Jota won Player of the Month for January as well. So Benfica took Player of the Month in both the first and second division last month. That was exciting. João Félix, speaking of the Player of the Month, along with Ruben Dias, have been linked... To trans in transfer talks with Juventus, with the Italian, the Italian giant La Vecchia Signora, um, the Bianconeri are very much uh, courting these two players, and they've also included a player that, um, quite honestly, I'm not interested in receiving in in exchange for either one of these players. I 
I could see Ruben Dias going to Juventus and doing well. He's a center back. They're aging in the back line. They're, they're very old. If you've followed Serie A or the Champions League at all, you see that they, they had a rough uh, go of it. Um, they lost 3-0 in the Coppa Italia to Atalanta recently and then losing 2-0 in the Wanda Metropolitano versus Atletico Madrid. Um and there's much to say about their old backline. Ruben Diaz, I think, would do well there. João Felix, I don't think, is a good fit for them at this stage of his career. Italy, and listen, I have Italian friends. I married an Italian, okay? I married into a Juve family, so I'm familiar with the team. But culturally, football-wise, I don't think it's the right place for a young creative attacking player like João Felix. Um, even Cristiano is, is, is learning that in Italy you have to... You are expected to fulfill your defensive capability, your defensive responsibilities first, even if you're Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, for João Felix, I think he's going to have a hard time getting on the field on that team, not because of his talent, but because if Massimo Allegri is still the manager, um, or if it's really any Italian manager, there is a reluctance to trust young players in that league, in that culture. Okay, They're not an individualistic culture, very much a team-oriented, for better or for worse. Okay, um, And it's a problem that you've seen with the Italian national team over the last maybe six years since uh, they were at the Euro 20, what was it, 2012 final, that there have been very few young players coming through, they're not getting time in their teams. They're playing on smaller teams because the big teams don't trust the younger players. It's changing a little bit, but um, I really think João Felix's best place right now is at Benfica. I know nobody believes he's going to be here next year. Uh, everyone believes that the price is just going to be too good to turn down, but I hope we get one more. I'm going to hold out hope, you know what, that we keep this guy one more season. I want to see him in the number 10 jersey next year, okay? Um, sorry, Jonas, if you stay, go back to 17 or go to 9. I want to see João Felix in the number 10 jersey for a season. I want to see him be the main marketing face of this team, okay? Not just the the kid on the field making things happen. I want to see him be the major drive in the pro shop. I want to see his jersey all over the stadium. I don't want to see him in number 79 anymore. Let's put that number 10 jersey on him, the, the Manta Sagrada, okay? Let's give him a, an entire season as a starter and let him etch his name into the history of, of Sport Lisboa Benfica once and for all before he goes off to bigger well, not bigger, but off to higher-paying things. That That's my personal opinion. Um, I know it's not likely, but that's what I'm holding out hope for. Also, reports this week out of Germany are that Borussia Dortmund are very much interested in Florentino Luiz. Um, he's been linked with the move to Dortmund again. I don't want to see him go. Uh, personally, I'm still scarred from the... the Renato Sanchez uh, transfer. I think that was a terrible move for all involved. It didn't help Benfica. It didn't help Renato. Okay, it didn't help the Portuguese national team. We lost a key part of that European Championship team. Who, 
you know, he just lost his form because he went to a team where young players are not trusted. And when he was finally given a chance, it had been so long and he was so out of rhythm that it was very hard to earn his way back into a good team. And he's still fighting to get into the first team at at Bayern Munich. I want to see this this young group of nine, this class of ninety nine. They're calling them. I want to see them kept together for a couple seasons. They're so young. There's no reason Benfica can't hold these players into their early twenties, into twenty two, twenty three years old. They're gonna be worth more than anyways. I know there's a guy named George Menz out there who's getting involved and he's making deals, but I think. If Aurelius wants to keep the job again as president, protect, lock up these players. Do not let them go just yet. Convince them to stay here. Don't force them. Convince them, okay? There's, we keep this court together for a couple seasons, and maybe we can make a run in Europe, a real run. Listen, just a few years ago, Leonardo Jardim took Monaco to the semifinals of the Champions League. There's no reason Benfica can't put that type of team on the field. Okay, they held on to their guys for a couple seasons, and they got themselves within you know a sni within sniffing range of the final. They kept Bernardo Silva, they kept Kylian Mbappe, they kept Fabinho. Okay, that that spine of the team right there alone carried them. So that's what I'm hoping to see. Only time's gonna tell. Um, I'm very very hopeful that we will hold on to these kids. That is this week's news. There's not much else going on right now. It's all about the Classico, okay? Um, there was another story that <laughs> Benfica were fined by the Liga Nage. I heard this today on the Simply Benfica podcast. Um, really ridiculous. They were fined for the stadium turning on their flashlights on their cell phones and creating that... Uh, <laughs> it looked like a, a concert when every single fan had their their cell phone flashlight on and they were waving them back and forth the league find they find the club for that which is the most absurd thing i've ever heard absolute absurdity from this league of this is a joke this league does not handle any real issues they love to throw these little fines out here yet you have <laughs> just a few weeks ago you had another group of fans official an official clock as they're called, because we talk about the clocks, legalizados, the legal clocks, ripping chairs out of the stadium in Guimarães and launching them, throwing them at the other team's fans. No action about that, but light up your cell phone flashlight and, and here's a fine, yeah. Liga Nós, you, you're a joke, to be honest. The people running this league are a joke. I've talked about it before. The, the kickoff times, the weekday games, it's all ridiculous. We only had... Last week, <laughs> we only had this tomorrow's match report scheduled with the date and time last week. What is this? A pickup league in, in on a sun? Is this a men's league? Like a men's over 30 league where you just decide during the week what time the game is going to be? Liga Nage has a lot of professionalism to catch up on. They they got a lot to learn. They really have an, an amateur operation in it. And it's, it's to be honest, embarrassing. And uh, they're not to be taken seriously. I mean, look who runs the show. It, it, it's Pedro Proencia, the portista, you know, supposed sócio do Benfica, yet <laughs> we all saw what he did every time uh, the blue team was on the field or every time we were on the field. It was very obvious. And now he runs the league. 
what do you think we're going to see tomorrow? Well, anyways, that's it about referees. Um, we're going to take a break now. We're going to hit an ad, all right, because we got to pay the bills. But we'll be back after this ad, and we're going to talk about the game against Shavsh. So stay right there. Don't move. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back, everybody, and it is time now to go back to Monday. We're going to talk about the match against Grupo Desportivo de Chaves, another Monday game in the Portuguese League. Um, I know it's due because because Benfica played on the previous Thursday in the Europa League. I get it. Funny, though, in England they still play on Sunday if they play in the Europa League, but I guess it does help us. Um, just makes it a little harder to, to watch the matches and to follow the team. But anyway, um, we had the final score. Benfica 4, Chaves 0, Stadio de Luz. Monday night, an attendance of 46,897 with Manel, Manuel Mota as the referee. He represents the Associação de Braga. Okay, let's go straight to the lineups for this one. Starting with the visitors, Group Sportive de Chaves. You had Antonio Philippe in goal. Across the back, Paulinho was the right back. Nicola Mares was the center back along with Gaston Campi. And on the left side of the back line was Luis Martins. Uh, double center mid with Jefferson and Bruno Galu pairing as, as uh, twin sixes, apparently. With three guys in front of that, three more attack-minded midfielders. On the left, Ruben Macedo. In the middle, Costinha with Luther Singh a little bit to the right. And those three sitting in behind the lone striker, Platini. 
Benfica, on the other hand, starts with Odi in goal. Odiseas Vlakodimus. On the right side of the back line, Sebastian Korsia makes his debut in the Liga Nage. The center-back pairing was, I was interestingly enough, the pair that I had predicted a week ago. I uh, <laughs> sort of patted myself on the back when I saw the starting lineup. I was a, a bit pleased. I had heard reports that Conti was ready to play and Conti was going to start, but nope, it was Ruben Dias teaming up with... Andreas Samaris and Grimaldo playing the left wing back position across the midfield. Pizzi was uh, was on the right side with the center mid pairing Florentino Luiz and my man Gabriel. We'll get we'll get to him a little bit later. Um, what a night! What what a performance from from Gabriel and under some extreme extreme circumstances. But I mean. The dude just just left it all out there. Um, you could see right from five seconds in the way he he went up and won a ball. He headed the ball straight up into the air and then quickly found it and won it again. You could see he was charged up and he wanted to make a mark on this game and he was playing with a lot of emotion. On the left side is another very much informed player, Rafa which you heard there at the top. You heard the, the call of his goal on TSEF um, radio. And now he had the first one, and we'll get to that in just a few. Up front, the, twi- the, the pairing that we've become accustomed to, João Félix and Haris Seferovic. And so, like I said, a good crowd on hand. And the match starts with both Grimaldo and João Felix receiving their awards, as we had said you know, back in the news section of this show. If you watch the game on BTV, on BTV, excuse me, you had Elder Kundut and Rogério Matias calling the match. If you watched it on Goal TV, it was Alejandro Figueredo and Omar Fuentes calling the match. There was a moment of silence right at the start for... Uh, former Benfica player Federico Rosa, who passed away um, shortly thereafter, before the the opening kick, you can hear the crowd fired up, and you can hear "I Will Survive" blaring through the the speakers at Stadio de Luz. Pizzi tonight is wearing the captain's armband in the absence of Jardel and Andre Almeida, so he's kind of the third captain. Uh, he got the chance to wear the armband. And like I said, we talked about Gabriel. We, f- we would find out after the game, Bruno Lage would tell uh, the world in the post-game press conference, that Gabriel had, in fact, learned just hours before the game that he had lost his grandmother. Uh, she passed away earlier that day. He was playing with a heavy heart, and we found out a day later, Benfica had authorized him to leave and to go to Brazil to be with his family he decided that he was going to stay and play this match in honor of his grandmother. What a match he had, let me tell you. Um, The first goal, like so many others, starts with with my man, Gabriel, playing a diagonal ball, okay? Practically all the way across the field. This ball only goes like 10, 20 yards forward, but it goes almost from touchline to touchline in the air. Uh, He finds PZ, who crosses it to João Félix, at the far post, Juan Felix with a 
using like his ankle, not his heel, but uh, his his ankle almost uh, plays a nice little flick back towards goal. Um, the Shavs defenders make a mess of it, can't get it out. It ends up with Rafa who buries it. And Benfica are ahead 1-0. This time it is a bit earlier. We're going to go to the match facts right now. It is... Excuse me, it was not a bit earlier. This was a little later than we've become accustomed to. The goal came in the twenty, the 19th minute. So Rafa scores in the 19th minute off of that play. Again, great ball from Gabriel. And it just seems like every time Big Fika score, I'm telling you, if you record the game, use that little feature where you can rewind it 15 seconds, and you're going to find Gabriel making that first play. 25th minute, João Félix goes down. No call. It was a good no call. It was neither a penalty nor a simulation in my opinion. And the Goal TV commentators get into a conversation that that really had me laughing a little bit because uh, they started talking about Neymar and <laughs> how he goes down. And they began arguing and <laughs> uh, one of them says something about how... how <laughs> Neymar used to do that when he was younger, and I believe it was Omar Fuentes stops Alejandro Figueredo and says in Spanish, "Nada cambiada," meaning nothing has has changed. And the response is, "Cambiosi, cambiosi." It changed. Yes, it did change. And they they start to argue about whether or not Neymar has changed and whether or not he's still he's still uh, you know simulating fouls and. Uh, that was it. Was a little entertaining for me to hear that. And uh, the game right now, Benfica are looking pretty comfortable. Um, the crowd is happy. Shavs, you know, had a they had a plan to to sit back and try to try to keep this game, you know, under control. You know, in front of them, they were trying to keep the play in front of them. Benfica's early goal again. Makes that very difficult. 31st minute, Omar Fuentes on Goal TV points out, Benfica have shifted from a 4-4-2 to a 2-4-4, and that's a real good bit of analysis there. Um, both Corsia and Grimaldo are getting way wide and way up, and why not? Shavja playing with a lone striker, and to be honest, even... There was one point I froze the, I paused the screen, and all eleven Chavez players were in their defensive third. There was nobody, there was nobody any further up than that. Thirty third minute, Rafa breaks down the right. Okay, he makes a nice cross for, for João Felix, which gets saved. Seferovic can't handle the rebound, and Befica, uh do not go up two nil. They had a great chance to go up two nil. Fast forward, 37th minute. João Felix with the goal, making it 2-0. Uh, it begins with Florentino, who finds Soferovic, who quickly plays Felix in, and Felix rifles the shot right off of the keeper's shoulder. and reacts to the reacts to the, the rebound. He had no time to react to this rebound. He was so close to the goalie, but really in... Like the snap of he just reacts, puts himself in position, and buries a left-footed bullet into the goal. Okay, and the crowd is just beside them, going nuts right now. He uh, 
Felix has a two a two knee slide across the field to celebrate, and it's two nothing. And Benfica look ready to coast to another three points at this point. In the forty first minute, the TV the camera pans out. The announcers uh, step back and let us hear the crowd. And like I said, Benfica fans, for a Monday night, they were absolutely on fire. You can hear a loud Damu 37. Benfica, Benfica, Damu 37. Give me the 37. Benfica chasing title 37. And this crowd is 100% behind this team. It Even when we were playing great in the past, I don't remember this kind of positivity, this kind of 100% support from every corner of the stadium. There's absolutely no dissenting right now. Benfica fans are more united than I've, I can remember seeing them, even through the, the years of the Tetra. This, this is unbelievable. And the players obviously respond, because in the 43rd minute, Seferovic scores from, you guessed it, who had this assist, no one else but the man himself, Gabriel, Seven Nation Army blasts through Stadio de Luz. You can hear the crowd. Everyone's having a good time. This is looking like we might have another goleada on our hands. And with that goal, Seferovic takes the lead in the golden boot. He's got 15 goals leading the Portuguese league, and they are all from open play. And we go into halftime, all right, 3-0 to Benfica. Come out of the second half, much more of the same. Benfica in complete control. Uh, Shavj tries to make a couple changes. Henan Bressan comes on. Costinha comes off in the 56th. In the 58th, Felipe Melu comes on for Bruno Galo. 59th minute, Nicola Marej gets a yellow card. A yellow card then in the 65th for Benfica's Rafa. 71st minute, uh, Bruno Lage decides he's not leaving Rafa on the field with a yellow card. Smart, smart decision by the manager. Jonas is on. Okay, Jonas is on. And uh, Rafa is off. This is a good opportunity for Jonas to get a little bit longer of a run in the game. We get to see him. He'd be booked seven minutes later in the 77th. In the 78th, Platini comes off for Andre Luiz. And then we go to the 81st minute. And for me personally, this was a highlight. I mean, I again, I'm watching this game on my DVR. And the reason I'm watching this on Goal TV, there's a couple of reasons. For one, I think the picture quality is better on Goal TV than on Bay TV. Um, I think the commentary is a little bit better. Um, it's, it's less cheering and more analyzing. Um... But the main reason is because when I'm DVRing the games, because they're on during the week, like I said, and we're all working, uh, for whatever reason, my Fubo app does not record BTV. It it has like a 30% success rate of recording anything on BTV. I don't know how many BT matches and U23 and U19 and women's matches I've recorded that it just says unable to play. So I stopped trying out. When Benfica's on, I'm, if I'm recording, it's automatically on Gold TV. Most of the times I'm watching live, I'm watching on Gold TV as well. I'll switch the BTV for the halftime and the post game. But anyway, I'm watching this. I had gone through, I'd skimmed through the through the stats and through 
through the events of the match, but I seem to have missed this one, and so I legitimately popped. I was excited to see in the 81st minute Jota come onto the field. That's right, João Felipe, better known as Jota, one of the huge, huge uh, talents from the Seychelles, another homegrown player, making his first team league debut. He comes on for PZ in the 81st minute. Huge ovation both for PZ leaving the field and for, you know, an appreciation of PZ and an excitement of seeing Jota on the field. He puts in a pretty good a pretty good effort. He gets the kinks out a little bit. He gets a little bit of experience, gets a little used to the speed of play in the A team in the first division. But this is this guy no stranger to playing against men. Like I said, he was the man of the player of the month in January in the second division. He is a guy that I think next season we're going to see on the first team um, permanently game in, game out. I think there's a place for him. I think Bruno Lage can make a place for him. Um, really good to see Jota take the field. 83rd minute, Zivkovic comes on for Seferovic. And this was interesting to me. Uh, again, going back to the commentary from Gold TV, and Omar Fuentes begins to get a little upset with Bruno Lage, and I thought this was interesting. I this never crossed my mind, and maybe this is a cultural difference um, from that a mentality that's different in the Spanish-speaking world than in the Portuguese-speaking or English-speaking world. Because I this never entered my mind. When a team is, you know, fighting for the title, but he says he's criticizing Bruno Lage for taking Seferovic out in the 83rd minute, saying he's got a player who's competing for the Golden Boot. How do you take him out with seven minutes to go in a match? I disagree with with that because this this is about the team. This is not about one player winning the Golden Boot. Um, if it was, if it were, Seferovic would be taking penalty kicks. He'd be taking more. He'd be taking free kicks. That's not what this you know this team is built on. Um, every player has their role. Every player does their job. So Ferovic was taken out to obviously avoid injury, to avoid overuse, and it was with an eye ahead to the the match at the the Dragon tomorrow. Um, obviously, the match was three nil at the time. There was no reason to risk your top scorer at that point. Your informed top scorer. There was no need to have. Your three forwards on the field at the same time. They got about 13 minutes together, all three of them. And Bruno Lage was asked about this um, in the post-game press conference. And he kind of deflected the question about having all three of them uh, on the field at the same time. Um, he says they're on the field together every day in training. And that's where anything that we see... On the field on match day has already been done on the training pitch. I like that answer, perf to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but there was no reason to risk have, having all three of them on the field. Just raises the risk that one of them won't be there for next week. You need a full roster Saturday, tomorrow against Porto. So I, I applaud this, this substitution. I think it... There's nothing wrong with that. Plus, Zivkovic needs the minutes. He needs the. He needs to get the rhythm. It looks like he's working hard. Like I said, I don't believe he had a attitude issue. I think his problem was fitness. And 
also adjusting to a new style. This is a completely different style that Benfica is playing than what they played under Rui Vitoria. Zivkovic did not come through the formação, through the academy, the way some of these other players did. He didn't play this way before. The way some of them are reverting, you got to realize, to the way they played in youth, okay, under not just Bruno Lage, but the other Benfica youth coaches. This is a this is a club philosophy. The way he's playing, he's mirroring the the philosophy and the style of play at the youth level. And he even said afterwards the decision to the decision to go with Florentino was really, really easy because he said the system of play is identical to to what they were doing or similiant was the word he used. Similar to what they did in the B team earlier this season. So it, it was really a no brainer, he said, to to slot Zivkovic to slot Florentino into the starting lineup. Zivkovic doesn't have that advantage of having come up through this. He came, you know, he came up in in Serbia, so I think he maybe was having a harder time adjusting to this system. He's getting minutes. I expect to see him get more minutes in the Europa League in the next round. Um, so I absolutely have no problem with him coming on in the eighty third to get some more touches. The eighty seventh, Gabriel takes a yellow card for a pretty hard foul. Um, he he loses the ball and he takes it out on, on the on the Shavsh player. In the ninetieth, we get Jonas. That's right, uh, Jonas Pistolis scores from João Felix. It's four nil. Absolutely brilliant assist from João Felix once again. And this this kid, I I'm telling you, he has eyes everywhere. He he doesn't need to see where his teammates are. He just knows. And uh, Felix. Receives a square ball from Florentine with the first time soft touch to play Jonas in. He basically walks in, ends up with the ball on his feet with an open goal, and he slides it in. It's 4-0. The crowd's going crazy, and they know at this point three points are in the bag. Uh, Gaston Campi of Chaves would receive a yellow card after. Man of the match with a rating of 8.5 was, like I said, my man, Gabriel. This guy, I mean, every week I am more, more into this guy's game. I mean, it, it like, it's like an onion that every week you peel another layer and it's just getting better and better. Like you're getting closer to a gold nugget, um, which is such a transformation from what we saw from him in the little time we saw him play under Rui Vitoria. Um, clearly, Gabriel is a perfect fit for this system, for this game, for this style of play, and I think he is an undisputed starter at this point, um, one of the real key guys in the team, again, doesn't always look pretty, but man, some of the things he does, he just does the little things, he's in the right place all the time, he wins balls like like nobody else on the field. I mean, he's just, he's a workhorse. He he knocks those long balls like, like there's no tomorrow. He gives Benfica a different dimension because they play a lot of small passes and a lot of quick short passes, good ball movement. But having Gabriel in there also keeps the other team honest. It keeps us from playing the overly 
predictable tiki-taka where the ball just goes side to side, back, back, and all of a sudden the other team has 11 guys in front of the ball and we can't go anywhere. Well, when that happens, Gabriel knocks a 60-yard long ball in the air diagonally right onto somebody's, right onto somebody's chest. It's, it is, uh, that's a skill as well. You know, I remember, uh, I believe it was Michael Carrick who, who had a quote saying, yeah, everyone talks about Barcelona and their, their skills. Well, Clearing a ball 60 yards in the air out of danger is also a skill. So is knocking a, a 60-yard, 50-yard diagonal ball right onto somebody's stride. That is <laughs> very hard to do. I also had some honorable mention in addition to Gabriel for Man of the Match. I had João Félix as well as Seferovic. And another strong, strong game from Florentino Luiz. And uh, you can see why Dortmund are linking themselves with this player. He's just incredibly intelligent for for the age he is. This seems to be a reoccurring theme with this class of 99 coming out of the Seychelles. But he is a true holding midfielder, whereas Samadish is more of a pivot, a pivot as is as is uh Gabriel Gabriel can be a pivot or a box to box. He really can be a six and a half. He can be an eight. He really has a little bit more versatility. Samadish is a, I think, a true pivot player. He really um, links up the defense with the with the midfield, and he's able very easily to slot in back when there's an opening and be another defender. And we saw in this match, you could also add him to the man of the match because even though he was beat on one play early in the game when it was still nil nil. One of the Shavsh players, I believe it was Luther, got in behind him and got a header in on goal, but uh, it was saved by Vlakodimish. But really, there was no other, there was no other real exposing uh, of Samadish at center back. And we've seen it before. We saw it a few years ago, back again in that first year of Rui Vitoria in the Champions League round of 16, where he slotted in as a center-back against Zenit St. Petersburg. Very, very serviceable. Um, very hard to hear so many people say that, you know, they don't think this player is going to continue. And now with Florentino Luigi, you know, evolving, um, there's some question as to who's going to start tomorrow in that position. Will it be Florentino? Will it be Samarish? Um, when we talk about the Port game, we'll, I'll give you my thoughts on that. I'm not sure. Um, I feel 100% okay with either of them. If it were my decision to make, I'm not really sure which one I would take. But I'll elaborate some more in the next segment about that. But another good, good showing from Florentino Luis. On to the post game and uh, the Bruno Lage's press conference. I didn't catch any of Shavsh's uh, coach's press conference, but I'll I'll summarize in uh, my best translation of of Bruno Lage when asked about the decision to start Samadish and slot Florentino in. I I said a little bit about this earlier, but. Uh, a rough translation of what he said was Samadish has a long history of filling in at center back. The question the question was whether he's better suited for the right center or left center back position. He 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 stated that it was always gonna be it was always gonna be Samadish 
and he he stated that we found through training that we were better keeping Ruben, Ruben Diaz that is, on the right side and slotting Samadij in on the left. Then in regards to the midfield position, he said our ligação, the connection, the uh, the yeah the connection is probably the best the best translation of that. The link, the link up, is the is is the translation I'm looking for between the central defenders and the midfield is very similar to how it we were in the B team that made Florentino the natural choice for the six, and um, I really like Bruno Lage's post game press conferences. He really elaborates on what he's thinking. Uh, some say he's giving away too much to the opposition. As a coach, I love hearing it because obviously I, the man is very intelligent and he knows this game well and he reads the game well. So hearing him give his thoughts and his uh, his thought process really um, really opens my eyes and lets me see what he's thinking. And I mean, it gives you even more appreciation for the work that that, that he's doing as a coach. Um, others think he's given away too much to the opposition. I, I don't. I don't think so. Uh, listen, Sergio Conceição tomorrow knows what what uh, Bruno Lage is doing without Bruno Lage saying it. You know, they've Porto have studied Benfica up and down just as well as Benfica have studied them. I, there's nothing I think that gets said in a press conference that's going to expose what Benfica's doing more than what they've done on the field. I mean, at this level, these guys can all analyze the, the game, and if they can't, they have an assistant who's a genius at it and breaks it down for them. So I don't think there's anything wrong with with Bruno Leij, um in his press conferences. I think they're phenomenal. He also went on to say, what you saw in the match tonight, I saw on the training pitch last night. Except yesterday it was the reverse. It was Jonas assisting Felix on the goal. Everything you see in a match, I've already seen done in training. Great quote. Um, this is when he was asked about, you know, he was asked about the similarities in play between Jonas and João Felix and um, if he thought they could mesh on the field and if he was taking a chance putting them in together and he says, you know, clearly this coach values training much more than, than previously was the case. And he says, everything you see, they've done in training. When asked, what about, what now? Uh, he calmly said, and he finished the press conference with this. Tomorrow we take the day off, he said. After three weeks without breathing, between matches, travel, training... Stagio, which means uh, camp, if you will, because they've been on the road. Uh, we need tomorrow to recover, especially with such a late kickoff tonight. The next day we prepare for Porto. And that is the Shavs game in a nutshell. Um, Benfica's 4-4-2, high press and quick transition. It really was too much for, for Shavs. Um, we're going to go real quickly. I'm just going to go over... The standings right now, 
in the Liga Nós going into tomorrow's match. You got Football Club do Porto in first place with 57 points. Benfica right there with 56 in second. Braga slipping, but uh, for now still in third place on 49 points. Sporting Club Portugal 46 in fourth place, holding on for right now what is the last Europa League spot. However, the fifth team will qualify because one of the winners of Whoever wins this, the Tasa Portugal will likely have already qualified for Europe, which opens up the fifth place position, which right now belongs to the, the team, the surprise team of the year, Moreirense, uh, coached by Ivo. Uh, I forget his last name now, but he was named coach of the year for January as beating out our Bruno Lage. Um, and Moreirense scares me a little bit because we're going there in a couple weeks and. They were seconds from taking all three points away from Porto. We're gonna have to be on our best. Uh, we cannot. We can't. Like I said, we cannot assume that winning tomorrow crowns us champions already. There are tough games. We're gonna go to Braga. We're gonna go to Moreirense still. Um, six sixth place right now is Vitória Guimarães on thirty sixth place. Seventh is Bolonês Sad. I will not call them Club Football. Because that's not who they are. They are the Sad Club Football Bulanes plays in like the sixth division in the in the what is the second division of the Lisbon district. Um, they're sitting in third with no home stadium right now. The pride of the Azores, Santa Clara in eighth with thirty points. Riuav ninth with twenty eight. Uh, as is Portimonense. Eleventh is Boavista with twenty six points. Avs twenty five points in twelfth. Maritimo, 24 points in 13th, 14 and 15 is Vitoria Stubel in Tondela, as well as Nacional, all three teams with with 23 points. Right now, Chaves and Ferenc are the bottom two. Chaves with 19 points, Ferenc with 14. Ferenc look almost guaranteed to go down right now. They, I think they made an enormous mistake in firing Nun Montasanch. Um, a young, I think he's 36, 37-year-old manager who got them to the first division, who was keeping them in the first division. They should have stuck with him. They got afraid of going down. They changed the manager. Um, I think they're guaranteed to go down at this point. I don't think uh, they're going to they're gonna be saved. And that's a wrap on, on Chaves, like I said. And we're going to get ready now to talk about Porto. Big game. I can't I can't stress this enough. Big game. All right. We're going to take a little break. The last one for now. We're going to be back real soon. We're going to talk about Porto. We may be going into some real depth here. We. I know we're running up that ticker on time again. But uh, really, there's a lot to touch on in this game. Fascinating, fascinating match coming up at the Dragão. Um, two managers that I think this is this is a real, this could be a real chess match. So stay right there. We're gonna hit on that when we get back. Sim, 
What's up, everybody? Welcome back now to the final segment of this Mr. Benfica podcast, episode 3, Chaves to Victory. We're going to break down and preview tomorrow's big, de- uh, not derby, tomorrow's big Clásico, Futebol Clube do Porto, Benfica. Sport Lisboa, Benfica, at the Estádio do Ladrão, okay? Um, as I s- I've said, if you check out my social media page, Facebook, um, Twitter, actually it's on Facebook, only on the Facebook page, go there, you'll see the video I posted of Benfica arriving at the sh- at their hotel in, the, in Porto, um, received by... Hundreds, well, looked like hundreds of fans. I mean, they appeared to be hundreds of fans there. Um, absolutely uh, amazing scene. The toshas, the flares, were were lit. It was a, a sea of red right in, in enemy territory. But like I said, there is a lot of support for this team in Benfica, in Porto, excuse me, in the city, in the surrounding communities, in the north. Iker Casillas thinks that the North belongs to Porto. He's, he's sadly mistaken. Um, I've grown up with enough friends from the North of Portugal to know that it's pretty much split down the middle between who, who the people I know from up North support between Benfica and Porto. It is um, it is not one-sided for Porto by any means. Okay, um, As uh, João... Amador was saying on his Simply Benfica podcast today, excellent episode, by the way. If you if you understand Portuguese, I can't recommend his, his show enough. I mean, he very similar to this format. He he records solo. He uses the same the same program we use um, because I, the ad is exactly the same. But um, he 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 reminded us using statistics that the two largest casas do Benfica Benfica houses are located in the north okay i forgot the the name of the the first place but the biggest one is in Famalicão which is also up in the north okay Benfica is very very well supported in the north remember a few seasons ago clinching the title in Guimarães at the Sacraneiro airport in Porto there were hundreds of Benfica fans in our rivals city Okay, 
at the airport in our rival city greeting us, celebrating our championship. To put that in an American context, that's like JFK Airport in New York being packed with Red Sox fans cheering as the Red Sox leave New York to go to home. You don't see that here. Um, you don't see that anywhere. Really, you don't see that almost anywhere. But there's a handful, three or four clubs in the world, I think, that can pull that off. Benfica's one of them. Maybe Barcelona, Real Madrid, Juventus, Bayern Munich. They they also maybe have that. So without further ado, let's let's look at what we got coming up tomorrow. Round twenty four. Football Club do Porto, Sport Lisboa Benfica, like we said. Uh Porto has been playing in a four four two. Uh don't be surprised it, if they change that up, um, their back line is is pretty good. We don't know if Militão is going to play or not. Either Militão on the, he's been playing right back since Pep came into the team. Uh, they're a very big, physically strong team. Uh, I think they'll give us problems if this game turns into a, a bloodbath or a toirada, as I call them. Um, I don't want to see that. I want to see Benfica keep the ball. Move it quickly. I don't want to see them putting themselves in situations where they're allowing the Porto players to line them up and, and nail them. Uh, however, if Porto want to play that way, and if if Sergio Conceição wants to put Marega out there after an after this lengthy absence for this, this injury he's had, um, and I'm Bruno Leish, I'm telling Ruben Dias that you when you get that chance, let... Let Marega know you're there. Let him feel it. Okay? Not dirty. Don't get yourself thrown out. Clean body. Okay? With the body. Get a body on him. Knock him around. Let him know that he's not going to waltz through this game. If he wants to play in this game, he is going to take punishment. If I'm Bruno Lage, my back line is being told that. Okay? We now know Conti is not available tomorrow. He He's been dropped. Uh, as he's not fit. Jardel also not fit. So that pretty much seals it that we're going to see Ruben Diaz and Ferro return to the to the starting 11 tomorrow. Ferro is not suspended. He was suspended one game. He uh, sat it against Chaves. Ferro will be back in the lineup tomorrow, I'm pretty sure. And then the big question is at the number six, is it Samadish or is it Florentino Luiz? A lot of Benfiquistas want to see Florentino Luiz. Again, this game is going to be difficult. The atmosphere is going to be difficult. It's going to be intimidating. Porto are going to try to bait our young players, whether it's João Félix. He's going to get stepped on. He's going to get kicked. He's going to have to keep his composure. He's going to have to be smart. He's going to have to stay out of trouble and... Pick his spots when he's going to take chances, okay? Ferru, I think, is going to get hit a few times by Tikinu Suarez. Tikinu Suarez, for me, is a dirty player. I don't like him at all as a player. I think he's very dirty. He's going to come in late. His studs are going to be up. Um, I think Florentino, if he's in there, is also going to be... He's going to be baited. Ferru's going to be baited. They're going to try to get cards on these guys and then attack them. Porto are masters 
at exploiting these things, okay? So, like I, I said earlier, I'm comfortable with either either Samaris or Florentino playing in this game. I have full confidence in both of them. If I were asked to choose, it's a 51 to 49% decision with Samaris. It's the unpopular decision, but from a coaching standpoint and from setting your team up, I think Samaris has a just a bit more maturity, a bit more experience in these games. I mean, when golf balls and batteries are flying from the stands and when you're being baited to, to do something stupid, I think he can keep his head, or I know he'll keep his head. I don't expect him to do something stupid. I'm not saying that Florentino would do something stupid. I don't know. He hasn't been in this situation yet. Um it was one. It's one thing. Yeah, he he played in Turkey, which was intimidating. But this is a whole nother animal. Um, so I'm leaning just ever slightest bit towards Samadis. We'll see what Bruno Lage does. Like I said, either way, I'm I'm comfortable with with either guy. They'll do. I think they'll do a a good job. I think João Felix is going to be absolutely abused by this crowd. Every touch of the ball, he's going to be hissed. He's going to be whistled. He's going to be chanted at. He's going to have things thrown at him. He is their public enemy, number one. This is a guy who was in their academy that they let go, and now they hate him for coming to Benfica, okay? <laughs> How sweet, guys, would it be for João Félix tomorrow to score the winning goal? For João Félix to slide on his knees, you know, two knees, two legs slide, in front of the Super Dragões, huh? How about if he makes eye contact with that Fernando Madureira, that, that animal, that criminal that leads that clock, that legal clock, as they call it. Yeah. The legal criminal organization is what the Super Dragões are. Imagine João Felix scores, looks at Madureira in the eyes, points to the eagle on his chest and kisses it. I think that would be the, the cherry on the cake, okay? That would be the topping. That would be the best. I want to see Mefica get three points. I think this is the most confident I've ever felt about Mefica going into a match. I have not had any worries at all these last 11 games under Bruno Lage. I've never felt that way about Mefica. There has always been a stress and a worry. Going into games as Benficistas, especially if you're if you're if you're my age here, you mid thirties, and you watch this team through the nineties, you're just conditioned to wait for it to go wrong. But I don't think that's going to happen. This team, we may not win this game, but I'm not. This team is going to put out, I think, a very good effort, and I think. If Porto's going to win tomorrow, it is going to take their absolute best performance. I don't think they can get, they're going to get as lucky as they got in the Tasa de Liga. They were incredibly lucky. They got a lot of help. Say what you want. I don't care. Portistas can talk about Colinho. They can talk about uh, whatever they want. That was a clear, clear apit doirado, um var doirado, okay? The golden var that saved them. Benfica were they played them off the pitch that night. Benfica were fantastic. Porto were not. The scoreline didn't indicate it, but anyone that saw the game knows that Benfica played them off the park. So, I don't expect Sergio to come out so wide open 
tomorrow like he did in that game. He knows he's a smart coach. You like him, hate him, whatever. He's a smart coach. He is not going to try to beat Benfica at their own game. He's not going to leave it wide open for, for us to, to counterattack. I would love that because I think we could absolutely murder them with our counterattack. Sergio's too smart. I don't think he's going to press like that. I think he's going to pick and choose his spots to press. Um, but I think he's going he's gonna to play deeper, and he's going to play well-organized, well-defined lines. We're going to have to find the space in between the lines, but we have the players to do that. And again, I think keys for us, if they do push, and if, if Porto play higher, and if they apply any kind of press... We're going to have to be able to go down the left side of the field. I have less confidence going down the right side of the field in a press. PZ has been playing amazing, okay? But he's not going to dribble out of trouble, okay? He's going to have to find the pass. And if Porto's press is, is on, it's going to be very hard to do that. Um, we're going to have to find Grimaldo and Rafa. They have the speed, especially Rafa. Rafa is... For everything he does going forward and in the attacking half, what I love the most about him and why I think Portugal made a big mistake not bringing him to the World Cup last summer is his ability to come back, okay, when you're under pressure, get the ball and dribble it 50 yards to relieve the pressure. He can, he can do that. He's the only guy on the field tomorrow that can do that, okay? He's a very important player. In that aspect, he's important in the attack, but he's really, really important in the aspect of taking the ball from our defense under pressure and getting us into the attacking half of the field, okay, and putting them under pressure. Rafa is a huge, huge key tomorrow, okay. Also, Gabriel, like I said, my man, Gabriel, this guy, I. This, who's quickly becoming one of my favorite players maybe in all of world football right now. He's going to be huge because if Porto are pressing, his ability to knock the long ball is going to be huge to relieving pre uh, the pressure because he's not he's not just going to kick it. He has the ability to put it onto Seferovic or onto space for João Félix into space for, for Rafa. Those three really are the guys we have to look for in transition. Hopefully we we get the opportunity to transition. If Benfica find a goal, guys, I think that could blow the game wide open because Porto, at that point, have to throw caution to the wind, which can leave them exposed at the back. And once we get ahead, and this is what we've been doing to teams, once we get ahead and force them to come out, we can go forward. Um, I wouldn't be surprised... If Porto come in more cautious and keep numbers behind the ball and prevent us from doing that, they're going to try to make us play the ball through and build up and try to get through their very well-organized uh, lines. It, it's going to be a battle. Um, like I said, you know the young players are in for, for something they may never experience before. I, I feel like Pep is going to be taking his old buddy Jorge Andrade's advice and be stepping on, on João Félix. He's going to be kicking him. He's going to be pulling him down. He's going to be muscling him. Uh, Philippe, if, if he gets the chance, is going to do the same thing. Uh, Seferovic, I think, really has to step up tomorrow 
and uh, he's been playing great, but we really need his speed and his his strength on the ball to hold it up, to get let us get numbers forward. He's going to have to hold it in, trans in the attack, wait for help, then get the ball wide so we can work. All our goals are coming wide, okay? They're coming from wide, and then we're finding that ball across, or we're shooting from wider positions, or Gabriel is playing guys in on breakaways. That's really how the goals are coming right now. We have to find those plays still. Okay, we can't change the way we play now. Um, if we do, we're not going to be successful, okay? And if Porto and the other end try to play our game, they're not going to be successful. So whichever team's style prevails, I think is where the result is going to go. Again, the atmosphere is going to be hostile, okay? There's no ho more hostile a place than that stadium, I think, for us because anything goes in that stadium. We've seen it. Porto never get punished, okay? They never get punished. Last year, a fan jumped out of the front row or wherever he was sitting, came onto the field and tackled Peasy, who's on the, you know, standing on the sideline. Nothing ever happened. They never played a game in closed doors. You know, they want us to play a game in closed doors over whatever um, to do with the clocks and all that nonsense. And like I said this week, we get fined for the fans lighting up their cell phones in the crowd. Absolutely absurd things. This team gets away and this fan base gets away with whatever they want. Nothing ever happens to them. They, so we have to put all that aside. We have to put up with all the crap. That's gonna come, and we just have to be mentally strong, keep focused, keep playing the ball, find our key guys. Okay, we have playmakers, we have to find them. Okay, um, we're deep. We've got options on the bench. Okay, Jonas is an option. I think if the game is needs an extra forward, he's there. I, I worry a little bit about his health going up against you know these these hackers that they got in their back line, but. But he's an option. He's there. Jetson can bring something. He's played well in the Europa League. He's got speed. He's got heart. Um, Krovinovic, even though he hasn't seen a lot of minutes, he's got he's got technique. He's got ability to come into the middle and to to create space for other players to spray the ball around. Zivkovic is imp you know he's he's working on getting his game back. He's he's got so much natural talent Zivkovic does that if the game is at a certain pace he'll he'll slot in perfectly. If it's not the track meet of a game that we sometimes turn it into, I think because then he burns out a little bit quickly. Um and I think that's why he started losing time. Like I said, I think it was a fitness issue under under Bruno Lage because he was using him in the beginning and he he he'd burn out he would he would gas out early. I think he's working at that and I think Bruno Lage sees that and that's why he's given a minute. Uh, we don't know yet who will be the the eighteen that are on the bench. Jota is 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 in the team, but I I expect him to be one of the ones left out. Um, I I would be very concerned using him in this game, but hey, who listen. Bruno Lage is there every day. He knows what he's doing. This guy has shown more than once that he is very intelligent, that he understands this game better than I do. He understands it better than just about anyone else I've heard talk about the game. So 
and I know his mentor is Carlos Carvalhal, who is one of the best analysts that I've heard. He he's learned from a good teacher. Um, this this is just an absolutely mesmerizing game. There is just so many key matchups all over the field. The one I'm focused on is going to be whoever that six is, whether it's Samaris or Florentine against Oliver. Oliver is absolutely dangerous. Anybody who saw the video I posted this week that I shared, actually, from Lateral Esquerdo, and all the things Oliver did in the game against Tondela last week, we, we cannot let him create like that. Whoever is in that midfield will have to... We'll have to shut him down. They'll have help from Gabriel. And, you know, they've got they've got to protect the two center backs again. Gabriel and the other midfielder, Samadhi, Fulentino, whoever it is, have to be able to protect those two center backs. Again, they're going to have their hands full with Tikin Suarez and possibly Marega, possibly one of the other forwards. But really, we really have to protect those two center backs. Uh, Vlakudimuz is going to have to be on his best. Odi, as, as people, you know, the English-speaking Benficists are calling him, he's going to have to be as big as he was in Turkey. And I, I, I have no reason to think he won't be. Um, I think in the Tasa the Liga games, Filhar let us down a little bit. We have to avoid set pieces in our end. That is where Porto is just absolutely lethal. Listen, they've got Herrera, they've got Pep, Felipe, Fernando Andrade, Militão, Tiquinho Suarez. They're all absolutely dangerous in the air. Um, Oliver and Alex Telge delivering balls. They're, they're fantastic at putting balls into the box for these guys. We have to avoid those, those situations at any cost. I want to see if... I think a key for Benfica is to keep this game in the middle third and out of our third. If we can't be in their third, we have to be out of our third because you can't give them corner kicks, throw-ins, and and free kicks in and around the area and give them a chance to, to really make, do the damage. I don't want to see that. I want to see our team really control the play. I, and I'm not talking about possession because that stack can be very useless and misleading. I'm talking about uh, territory and where the game is played. I think that's more important than who's got the ball I, is where the game's being played. They can possess all game in their back third as far as I'm concerned. And we'll wait for that mistake. We'll press them at the right time. We'll take the ball and, and bury it behind them. Um, there's There's another key matchup in in that it is, for me, like I just said about Rafa. If Militão was playing, that right side of, of their defense, left side of our attack, if we can get Grimaldo and, and Rafa forward, okay, and attack Militão, who is a center back, he is not a right back, I think we can expose him, okay? He's only playing right back because Sergio is under pressure to play Pep because Pep is a club legend, okay? And Pep brings a lot of experience, but I think perhaps he could also be exploited. If we can get in his head, we know he's capable of doing stupid things. It's unlikely at home, but perhaps if, if Seferovic and Juan Felix can get the better of him early 
and force him to over, you know, to get angry, he may do something stupid and do us a favor. It's uh, always a chance with him. You know, we've seen it in the national team. There's always a chance for him to do something stupid. The coaching philosophies are very different in this game, and this is another intriguing facet because you got Bruno Elijah's game of, of quick transition, but of keeping the ball, of passing and skillful players, and you've got Sergio Conceição's a Porto, you know, style. Big, strong, fast, hard-running, hard-working, leaving it all on the field, okay? Garra, like we say in Portuguese, garra. You know, these these two cla- these two styles are gonna are gonna butt heads tomorrow, and the the team that plays their game better will win. That's that's my ultimate prediction. Um, I'm not gonna make a scoreline prediction because I just don't do that. I analyze what I see. I'm not I'm not Nostradamus, but I I am very confident in Benfica for tomorrow more than I can ever remember being going into Stadio uh, do Dragão or Stadio das Antas before that. So. I think the difference this time around from the previous games with Porto is that the managerial factor is now equal. I think last year we lost the title because, well, we lost it also because we dropped points after the Porto game, but we lost first place on our home field to Porto because Porto won the coaching battle. Sergio Conceição outcoached Rui Vitória, okay? I think in a game where the teams were kind of even, Sergio was a better coach. I think that that gap ha- is even now. Bruno Lage can coach with Sergio Conceição, and Sergio's a good coach. I, I have said that since day one, since the day he joined Porto, I've been concerned because he's a good coach. But we've got a good coach now, too. Okay, we've got a coach, a modern coach. We've got a coach for this team, a coach that these players respect. Okay, well, how much does that say about the man who never played, at least not at a high level, okay, that he comes into this team with, with World Cup players and European, a European champion, you have a guy like Jonas, a former, you know, a golden boot winner, a guy like, like, Samari, Shveja, you know, Jardel, all these veterans, and they respect this guy. They they bought into everything he has said. They completely trust their coach, and that speaks volumes about his ability. Yes, it helps that he was also the youth coach for for a good portion of the team at some point, and but he, they know him. He knows them, and that has made this transition easier for him. I think any other coach would have had a much harder transition but he brought the game that the club is playing from the grassroots up and it's great to see the first team now matching the the, the style played in the rest of the club so uh, I'm gonna leave it at that and we've gone pretty long again and uh, you know I could talk all night about the <laughs> the differences between Porto and, and uh, Benfica but I'll let the game do the talking tomorrow I hope everyone enjoyed this episode tonight don't forget coming Thursday I have uh, the Parking the Bus podcast is going to drop on Thursday, okay? Um, I'm watching the Milan Derby from 91-92, Inter versus AC Milan. Wait till you see some of the names in this match, okay? Um, 
also uh, another announcement. Uh, thank you to everybody who reached out to me on Monday. It was my birthday. I turned 36 years old. Benfica won. And we hit our 100th play on Monday. Uh, blown away by that. That in two episodes we got 100 plays. And uh, I hope everyone's liking the show. If you are, do me a favor. Share it. Put it out there. Let's get this to as many people as we can. Because I know there are many, many Benfiquistas out there that are English speaking. Okay, There are many Benfiquistas out there who would love to hear about this team in English. And haven't found us yet or haven't found the other podcasts um so do me a favor really if you like the show share it talk about it uh hashtag it um rate us on on the on the platforms that give give out the rating in regards to the first episode of parking the bus i will use this show's uh mediums of communication to tell you where to find it i'm working on I've been playing around with a couple different recording programs, so I'm not sure which one I'm going to use, and which one I use is probably going to dictate where the where the show is going to be hosted, okay? I'm thinking about hosting it on Podbean, which currently does not have this show, which is why I want to try to host it there. It's a good, it's a good uh, platform, and maybe I can package the two shows together on it and get more listeners to it. I'm not sure yet. But just keep uh, keep an ear out and watch the social space, the social media spaces. And remember, everybody, uh, enjoy the match tomorrow or today. Whenever you li- you're probably listening to this after the match. So I hope you enjoyed it. I hope uh, I sounded like uh, I hope my hope you enjoyed the analysis. Um, I put a lot of time into this episode this week. I watched a lot of football. I listened to. A lot of podcasts, both from uh, the Benfica and the Porto side of the argument. And you don't know how hard it is to listen to a Porto podcast and uh, try to take it seriously without shutting it off. Uh, Again, big thank you to everybody uh, who's made this possible. Um, Thank you to everybody for the feedback. I I hope you like the show. Uh, It's going to keep getting better. I, I, I feel like this was was a good episode tonight and uh i've been looking forward to it all week and i'll let you in on a little secret this third this last segment was recorded for the second time i went on much longer i went on for about 56 minutes the first time and when i went to play it back it was nothing but silence so uh there was a personal story included that i did not uh, record the second time around because it took up much, most of that 56 minutes. I will share it at a later date. It's uh, You guys are going to get to know me pretty well if you don't already. All right. So, again, everybody, enjoy. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy your week. Thursday, check out the talking, the talk, the Park in the Bus podcast. Next Friday night, late night again. Um, We'll be, I'll be recording another one, so early Saturday morning, look for episode four uh, of Mr. Benfica. We'll talk about tomorrow's game, obviously, in depth, I'm sure. We'll, we'll, we'll hit on as much as we can on Thursday's Liga Europa matchup. Um, we'll also get ready for Bulanis Sad the following, probably Monday, I'm assuming, as we continue to have these endless weekday games. All right, everyone, 
That's it for tonight. I'm Mr. Benfica, the Mr. Mike Agustinu, signing out. Enjoy the match tomorrow. Come on, Benfica. Vamos. I believe in you guys. I'm with you. Damo 37.